If you've ever boarded a plane where someone was clearly not feeling well and spreading their germs everywhere, you've probably prayed you didn't have to sit anywhere near them. <coughs> One person's sickness can contaminate the whole plane. Attitudes are contagious too. If someone is constantly complaining, or negative, or just lazy, it can infect an entire group. What is Jesus saying to the church at Thyatira? He's saying that you got a rotten apple in your midst. And if left unchecked, it's going to cause irreparable damage to the other members of the body. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. If you've ever thought that you have no effect on other people, well, you might want to take a look in the mirror. This week, Charles Tapp continues with the seventh part of his series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation, as he tries to prevent the church from being contaminated by the bad apples and how we can be a positive influence on those around us. With his message, One Bad Apple. As we are continuing our series, as we've been going through the book of Revelation, I want to begin this message today by saying something that I've been saying all throughout this series. And, I, and I'm saying it again because I think it bears repeating. And it is simply this, that the book of Revelation is not so much about the future and what the future holds as it is about the one who holds our future. For so many times we get caught up in a revelation wanting to know when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? What does that mean? What does this mean? And we miss the essence of what the book is all about. From Revelation chapter 1 all the way through to the end, here's what the book, here's what the letter that John saw in vision is all about. It is not about the future and what the future holds. No, it is about the one who holds our future. And our future today is held in the mighty hands of God. And from the very beginning, this message is con conveyed by the way Jesus is portrayed throughout the entire book of Revelation, especially in regards to the role that he plans to have in the lives of his members of these churches in the first century in Asia Minor. And although these were seven literal churches, made up of communities that, that lived and breathed and, and worked as any human community would, they play a much larger role in that they represent something that is very unique and something that is very significant. And that is simply this. These seven churches represent the church of God from the very beginning throughout the endless ages of time. And it is clear from the very onset in John's vision that he was given on the Isle of Patmos that Jesus is whatever his people, his church needs him to be. How many of you know that to be true? That Jesus is whatever we need him to be. There was an old gospel song that said, God is. You remember that? God is the hope and the strength of my life. 
He moves all what? Pain, misery, and you, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? God is. What is God? He is. He is everything from A to Z. He is everything from Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. In the introduction to the seven churches, John makes it clear that above all things, Jesus first and foremost is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And that's important. Because the image we see of Jesus from the beginning of Revelation is not the Jesus on the cross. It is not the Jesus that is being beaten in Pilate's court. It is the Jesus after the cross. It is the Jesus who is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. John makes it clear that this is the Jesus. It is the glorified Jesus. It is the victorious Jesus that has his church in his hands. And whatever his church needs him to be, that's what he is. And as we read the messages to each individual church, we see that Jesus is portrayed in a way that is unique to each church's situation to the church at Ephesus that was known for losing their first love, their zeal. He is portrayed as the one who holds the seven stars, seven stars meaning the seven churches in his right hand. And the biblical metaphor for the right hand of God is simply symbolic for the omnipotent power of God. In other words, John is saying that the God who holds you in his hand is the almighty powerful God. To the church at Smyrna, known as the persecuted church, Jesus is portrayed as the one who was dead but has now come to life. To the church at Pergamum, the church known as the compromising church, Jesus is portrayed as the one who holds the sharp two-edged sword in his hand. And this is important because if you remember, it was at Pergamos that this was the first city in Asia to have a temple that was dedicated to the worship of emperors. And if you did not bow down and worship the emperor or make sacrifice to him, you could be severely punished and even your life could be taken on the spot by the sword. So in his letter to the believers at Pergamum, John wants these believers to understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that although they may be under the power of the sword of Rome, there is one who has a two-edged sword in his right hand and it is Jesus Christ. In other words, he is saying, you may think that they have the last word, but it is God who has the last word. And whoever has the last word has the final say. That's not just important for us as a church today as we go through some very turbulent times, but, but that's important for God's people today for many of us are going through some very turbulent times and we're thinking that the enemy has won newsflash God has the last word you think our world is falling apart you think our country is falling apart it may be but God has the last word you may think the evil forces in your life are about to win God has 
the last word. And whoever has the last word has the final say. And we as the people of God need to start living our lives as those who believe God has the last word. We need to stop being so overly anxious and worried about everything that's happening in the world today. That's the way the world should operate. Those who don't know God, but for those of us who do know God, we should not be surprised. Looking in the news, reading the news, watching it on television, I see Christians going, oh my God, what is going on? Really? God has the last word. Today I want us to transition to the fourth of these seven churches of Revelation. Although the smallest and least important of all the seven cities, out of all the letters written to the seven churches of Revelation, the letter to Thyatira is the longest. Let's take a look at a portion of that letter as we turn to Revelation chapter 2, as we read verses 18 to verse 23. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like what? Fine brass. In other words, God can peer through and know everything we're thinking about, but yet he is the God that is stable. No one can move him. He says, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, he says, the last are more than the first. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Verse 22, indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds, verse 23. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. As we've noted previously, each letter to the seven churches was basically Jesus' evaluation of their spiritual condition and the spiritual condition of the members that made up that church. And at the beginning of each letter, Jesus would always begin with a word of commendation to the church, a word of praise, followed by a strong word of rebuke. Then he would give them a remedy, a way to turn the situation around. And in each letter at the end, he would close it out by reminding them, he who has what? and ear, let him hear. But let's take a moment and look at Thyatira's commendation. What are the words of praise, the well-deserved words of praise that Jesus has for this church? First of all, it says that they have good works, not just good works, but the believers of Thyatira had ever-increasing work. For John said that the works they had at the end were even greater than the works that they had at the beginning. 
Then he commends them for their love, for their service, for their faith. And this never hit me before until this morning as I was seated at my desk around 4 a.m. and I was reading this passage again and this is what came to me. What is Jesus really commending this church for? He is commending them for the working of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Why do I say that? What is he commending them for? For faith. What is faith? It's a gift of the Spirit. What is love? It's a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, he's saying, I see God is at work in your life. The Holy Spirit is bearing fruit and you are using the gifts that I was giving you to the glory and honor of God. And if that's the case, what kind of rebuke would you have for a church that is doing everything you want them to do? Parents, how many of you have children, small children, teenagers, young adults that do everything you want them to do? I'm getting some interesting looks back here. Huh? If you had a child that was the model child, did everything you wanted them to do, would you have a rebuke for them? I know all of you are model children, young people. Amen? They're wondering themselves. <laughs> but Jesus does have a word of rebuke for them. It's in verse 23. And it's simply this. He says to them, you have allowed the woman Jezebel, this false prophetess, to lead many of you astray. The sins in the church of Thyatira, like those which existed at Pergamum, are immorality and compromise with idol worship. And Jezebel, many believe, is simply symbolic for this woman, this false prophetess of Thyatira, who possessed a great influence over the people of God and were able to get them to compromise in participating in the pagan worship services, just as the Old Testament Jezebel had the people of God to compromise in their walk with God as well. And here's what made this such a dangerous scenario. And this is why Jesus has a very strong rebuke for them that we just read. For that strong, I'm going to kill your children, I'm going to put you in a sickbed unless you repent. Why such a strong rebuke? Because this compromising is not the result of forces from Rome, whether they be political or sociological or economical. These forces are from within that are making God's people compromise. And Jesus says, you've got the spirit of Jezebel and you're not doing anything about it. Better yet, you are giving into it. It's one thing to have forces from without. You expect that. But have the forces from within? And here's what the enemy of God knows oh so well. That the greatest damage that can be done to the church of God, the greatest damage that can be done to the life of the believer is not the forces from without, but the greatest damage that can be done is because of the poison that is within. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, One Bad Apple. 
And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family. And uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life. And um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like you want to listen to something to be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, turn to 91.9. They are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. And I am forever grateful for for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp tries to prevent the church from being contaminated by the bad apples and how to be a positive influence on those around us. As he concludes his message, one bad apple. Here's what the enemy of God knows oh so well, that the greatest damage that can be done to the church of God, the greatest damage that can be done to the life of the believer is not the forces from without, but the greatest damage that can be done is because of the poison that is within. See, we're all prepared looking for the, you know who your enemies are. They can't really get to you, but it's those so-called friends, the ones who are the closest to you. It's not the forces from without that really do us in, it's the poison that lies right within. And the church of Thyatira, these believers were guilty of tolerating this Jezebel and her teachings, which condone the practices of idol worship, eating meat offered to idols, and even being engaged in sexual immoral behavior, all for the sake of being viewed by these trade unions as being tolerant. For when you look at the book of Thyatira, you will see that in the city, it was known for manufacturing of royal purple and these woolen goods. As a matter of fact, Lydia, the first Christian convert in Europe that we know from the selling of purple in Philippi was from Thyatira. Please don't miss this. And the influence of these guilds or these unions or these associations had civic had power upon the civic life. And nearly each month, they would have a feast. They would invite all of their members to partake of the feast. But part of the feast, you had to bow down and worship the emperor, and they would begin to eat and drink. And by the end of the feast, many of them would be involved in all kind of illicit sexual activity. And if you did not accommodate these pagan practices, It could negatively impact your ability to get ahead and to advance in business if you were not willing to compromise your principles. And many of God's people today are compromising their principles on the job just to get ahead, just to get that promotion, just to get that advancement. But as I said earlier, what makes this such a formidable threat was that the pressure to compromise was not coming 
from these associations, but from someone who was already in the church, closely tied, closely knit to the other believers. I'm sure that most of us are familiar with the phrase, one bad apple can spoil the bunch, right? It's used to describe the impact that a person's negative attitude or their improper behavior can have on those with whom they are closely associated. And if you've ever had a barrel or a bowl of apples and one apple goes bad, one apple begins to decay and rot. If you don't remove that bad apple from that bunch, it will impact all the other apples in the bowl, even the good ones. Even Paul said, listen, a little leaven will go a long way. And what is Jesus saying to the church at Thyatira? He's saying that you got a rotten apple in your midst. And if left unchecked, it's going to cause irreparable damage to the other members of the body. And that's why I say to you as parents, I don't care how much your children complain, how badly they complain about you telling them where they can't go and who they can't go with. You better put your foot down. You're the parent. They're the child. Don't get it twisted. Thank you. Thank you. No, seriously. When I was growing up, my parents, listen, please. They made it plain. You are not going to hang out with so-and-so, so-and-so. I could cry, I could stump. Well, I never did any of that because my mother was named Nanny Bell Tap, so that, that, that didn't, you know, that wasn't even. If I had done that, there'd be somebody else preaching here today, but surely, <laughs> surely would not be me. But my parents understood that one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. You couldn't even come over to my house if my mother did not approve of who you were. Then we send our kids to church school. There's some bad apples in church school. I'm just saying. You spend all that time educating your children, discipling them, send them off to church school, and you think your work is done? Huh? When was the last time you saw a bad apple in a barrel of apples and the good apples turned the bad apple good? When was the last time you seen that? And ladies, I got to say this today, especially you ladies sitting up here. Stop hanging out with these low-life, no-good guys. Stop it. Stop it. No, I'm serious. Stop it. Well, I can, I can change him. No, you can't. I'll never forget it in a mall with my family one day and these... This guy came through the food court. He had his pants hanging down here with the belt down here. I still don't get that. You can see his undergarments and he's walking like this. And on his arm, he has this beautiful young lady, just like the beautiful young ladies we have here from Tacoma Academy today. And he's walking, you know, arm in arm. And, I, and she was nicely dressed. And I wanted to go up to her and ask her, sweetheart, why? Why? No, I'm serious. You can't change him. You can't even change yourself. Let him go. 
I'm going to give you four words. It's not in my notes. Four words that can save your life. Never settle for less. One bad apple. Please. Let these guys go. Young man, if she's a bad apple, you better let her go. Because one bad apple can spoil the bunch. And that's the word that Jesus is giving to the church at Thyatira. You got a bad apple here. And if you don't do something quickly, the rest of you are going to be lost right along with her. Turn with me to Isaiah 65. I want to read a portion of the scripture reading that was read so well earlier. I want to look at verses 8 and 10. This is in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to look at it in another version in a minute. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and no one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. In other words, some of the grapes may have gone bad, but, but there's still some good stuff there, he says. Do not destroy it. So will I do for my servants' sake that I may not, what? Destroy them all. Verse 9, I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, an heir of my mountains. My elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Verse 10, Sharon shall be a foothold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for herds to lie down for my people who have, what? Sought me. I get what he's saying. But when you read it from the message, it is so clear. Let's read that same passage from the message. But just as one bad apple doesn't ruin the whole bushel, there are still plenty of what? Good apples left. So I'll preserve those in Israel who do what? Obey me. I won't destroy the what? Whole nation. I will bring out my two children from Jacob and the heirs of my mountains from Judah. My chosen shall inherit the land. My servants will move in. The lust valley of Sharon in the west will be a pasture for flocks. And in the east, the valley of Achor, a place for herds to graze. These will be for the people who bothered, please don't miss this, for the people who bothered to reach out to me, who wanted me in their lives, who actually bothered to look for me. What is God saying to the prophet? That although one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch, one bad apple doesn't have to spoil the whole bunch. Because I've got some faithful people. There's a remnant that if they just remain faithful to me, I will remain faithful to them. Let me just say this because so many of us have this worldly idea of what God wants from his people. God is not asking you to be successful. God is asking you to be faithful. God is asking you, he's asking me to remain true, even in the midst of a bad apple. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. One bad apple doesn't have to spoil the whole bunch. If the people of God make up in their minds to remain faithful to God. And here's the question I I leave with God's people today. Those of you who are worshiping in our sanctuary, those of you who are worshiping 
online and those who are listening by radio. Here's my question. Who or what is there in your life that you're so closely, intimately tied to that if you don't remove yourself or them or it from your life, it will have that effect that one bad apple has and it will end up bringing decay into your walk with God. For everybody, it may be different. But that's the question for God's people today. For Thyatira, it was Jezebel and her teaching. What is it in your life that if you don't root it out, if you don't get away from it, it's going to have the same decaying impact as a bad apple does among the good? What is it? Because here's the thing. Although one bad apple can spoil a whole bunch, because of God's grace, one bad apple doesn't have to spoil the whole bunch. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, One Bad Apple. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. And the danger with living life through the rearview mirror, always talking about what you used to be, what you used to do, is that you become complacent. And that was the issue that God had with the church of Sardis. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp continues with part eight of this series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation with his message, Life Through the Rearview Mirror. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.